We're finishing our series on increase this morning. And we had continued to receive all these different words from actually five different prophetic voices, three from different countries. But in the midst of this, Stephanie, my wife, had a dream. And in it, Joe Rhodes came to her and was giving her this gift. And so what you do is you apply biblical principles of interpretation. And so you want to say, okay, does that name mean something? Or does that person mean something in my life? Well, as we looked at the name of Joe, his name actually means, Joseph means he will increase. He will increase. So there's a character in the Bible who he's named after, Joseph, and his name comes from the verb to increase. That Hebrew word is yesaf. Yesaf means to increase. And so as we've been doing the series, it seemed fitting to study his life because Joseph's life is about increase. And so today I'm going to quickly take you through the stages of a person's life when God wants to bring increase through them. So stage one, and I want you to take notes today. We're going to go through these super fast, but it's going to help you because what I find is every one of us gets stuck in one of these phases. Stage one is the revealing stage. So God reveals a vision of what he wants to do. God reveals a vision of what he wants to do. It says, this is the account. This is Genesis 37, starting in verse two. This is the account of Jacob's family. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father, uh, they brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheave rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Okay, how do you think this is going to go with his brothers? His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now, before we get into kind of the cockiness of Joseph and the preposterousness of him just telling his brothers and his parents this, what we have to realize is that first God actually reveals an increase that he wants to do. So what I'm not talking about is as we've come and, and said, there's all these prophetic words for our church to increase. We're talking about God wants to bring increase in his people in this generation. What I'm not saying is that this is some name it and claim it or blab it and grab it theology, just whatever you want to increase, will this happen? No, this is initiated by the Lord. The spirit of the Lord gives Joseph a dream to tell him what he's gonna do in the future. But just because God speaks something, there's still our part to play and that's stage two which is the, re the receiving stage. There's the revealing stage, but number two is the receiving stage. You have to decide, will I receive it? I had a friend who had a powerful experience with the Lord. God showed him 
what he wanted to do through him. And he said, I want you to go to this country and I'm going to open these doors. And all of a sudden, all these people are giving him prophetic words and, and we as this community agreed with it. But the interesting thing was he decided not to do it. He decided not to do it. And I remember a couple months later asking him about it. And he was like, you know, I'm really not sure that God's wanting to do that. And then I found out a little bit later, he just said, man, you know, I'm just kind of confused. I'm, I feel distant from the Lord. You see, he didn't decide to receive the, Lord, the word from the Lord. And he never saw that promise. He never saw it accomplished. Let me ask you today, has God revealed a plan to you? And then secondly, have you received it? Here, here's one way to how to receive it. I've shown you this before, but this is a folder where I keep the prophetic words that God has spoken over all peoples. I have numerous words written down on this. Another thing I do is I have a note section on my phone. Whenever I, I receive a word from the Lord, I write it down on my phone. Another thing I do, I told you about Stephanie's dream. I keep a dream journal. And sometimes if, if I'm too tired, I just get up in the middle of the night and I open up my recording app. You'll see tons of recording. Or another thing is if someone comes up and says, Pastor, I have a word for you. I want to pray for you. I'll say, hold on a second and I'll start recording it. Now, is every single word someone gives you from the Lord? Absolutely not. But you can sense when the Holy Spirit's quickening something and it lines up with scripture. And I savor those things because at times there's challenges and we remind ourselves of what God has spoken. We don't live by what we see. We live by the word of God, both his written word and his spoken word to us. So stage two is receiving. But here's what happens. Stage three, just because you've got a word, just because you've received it, doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. So stage three is rebuking. If you haven't noticed yet, all of these stages are gonna start with an R. Stage three is rebuking. Listen to the story. It says, when he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Let me explain to you, first of all, that some rebukes are really good. It's good to get rebuked. The Bible actually says this. It says, rebuke a fool and he'll hate you. Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. A, a good friend will actually speak the truth in love to you, and it will change you. So one of the reasons God brings people to rebuke you is he's pruning you. He's, as you could tell, Joseph had some pride in his heart. He'd brought his dad, his dad a bad report about his brothers. He kind of shared this without really thinking of how it would affect him. He needed to be humble. But let me also tell you, that some rebuke is unmerited, it's undeserved. Did you know the Pharisees totally rebuked Jesus? Did he deserve it? Of course not. So at times, the people, you have this vision from God, he reveals it to you, and people come harshly against you. We've experienced this before, we've talked about as a church. We said, we've got this amazing piece of land, God showed us that he wanted to build it, and then there was a group of people who started saying not even truths about us, and, and doing social media against us. That just will happen. And at that time, you have a choice. Will I humble myself, or will I harden my heart? Rebuke always brings out a test. Will you humble yourself or will you harden your heart? 
The Bible says if you humble yourself, that God will lift you up. Rebuke is always a choice of how we will respond to it. Stage four. Stage four. We've got eight stages. We're moving through them fast. Stage four is the resisting phase. You've got a vision from the Lord. You've received it. You think it's going to go great, and all of a sudden people start coming against you. Some, it's God ordained. Some, it's from the enemy. But the fourth stage is often the hardest, the resisting phase. You thought it was going to go great, and all of a sudden you are opposed. You are opposed. But they saw him in the distance. This is talking about his brothers. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. You see, anytime there's a vision from God, the enemy wants to take it out. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and, they say, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Well, thank you, Reuben. At least you're just saying throw me in the cistern and don't kill me. What great brothers he had. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover him up in blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials of the captain of the guard. So he has this prophetic word that he's going to lead his brothers. And what happens next? He's thrown into a pot and sold into slavery in a different country. The, that vision is totally resisted. There's always resistance to increase. There's always opposition to increase. And know that God is at work. If God is for us, who can be against us? But these are the normal things that happen in a person's life. So this is what I want to show you. Um, last week, I showed you Chris Vallotton's word. He's a prophetic voice, one of the most known in all the world. God sent him here. He gives us this word about increase. I want you to watch it again. But what I didn't show you is the second and third part he said that explains what's going on in our lives right now. Let's play that again. I had, a, uh, I had a prophetic word in the first service. I didn't give it, but um, I just want, it's just super simple. But I saw you guys coming into a new EPOC, E-P-O-C-H, E-P-O-C-H season. And, uh, and I, I, saw, um, I saw Robert and Stephanie saying, oh, we got a new truck. And you were expecting like a, a one-ton four-wheel drive to come up and, uh, and a 16-wheeler pulled up. And... And Stephanie turned to you and said, is that our new truck? And you said, not what I thought it was going to be. And I feel like uh, the Lord wants you to get your expectations to be bigger than you thought. And I believe that today, uh, I believe the Lord is stretching our faith. 
not just your faith, but like the faith of the congregation is growing. And uh, I feel like there's a massive uh, increase coming to, uh, to obviously this area, but also to this community and this church. And so um, I want to say that you're thinking too small. And I was uh, reminded of Abraham. Sorry, I didn't do this in the first service, but I just wanted to make sure it was right. Uh, but I'm reminded of Abraham when God said to him, hey, you're going to be a father of nations. Come outside and let's walk in the sand. And the Lord's like, Abraham, count the seeds, count the, the grains of sand, and then count the stars. And this was God's idea of a prophetic word for Abraham. Abraham, you're thinking too small. And you have to remember that Abraham couldn't even have children till he was 99. So sometimes the Lord, what the Lord says to us is obnoxiously too big. Is that, is that even a word? Obnoxiously too big. And uh, I feel like the plan the Lord has for you is obnoxiously too big. Like, I feel like it's so big that if you, you, you won't even tell people because they'll think you're bragging. I, I don't brag. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, didn't go over so well. So, so anyway, I bless you with that, and uh, I feel a lot more coming, but we'll just leave it there for right now. You know, um, yeah. You can always tell the size of a man by the size of the problem it takes to discourage him. And the level of sacrifice an environment requires determines the size of people who will follow. Let me say it one more time. The level of sacrifice an environment requires determines the size of people who follow. Did you catch that? I know it's hot. <laughs> um, he actually said the, the level of sacrifice an environment requires determines the size of the people who will follow, who will be a part of that. He's speaking about you right now. He says you can tell the size of a man by the size of the problem it takes to discourage them. You have a big problem in your life today? Do you? There's some big problems. You know what? If there's a big problem, it's because God's creating a big person out of you. Right? We don't like big problems, but that's actually how God creates you into a big person in the Holy Spirit. It's how God creates you to be a kingdom contender. Without a big battle, you can't have a big victory. So God's not just calling you to be a, part, a little part of a crowd in a sea of the world that's just tossing and turning. God has called you to be a big person in his kingdom, but the only way we create big heroes is through big battles. And that's what God's doing in and through this church and through this community. And so you get rebuked, you get resisted, but here's the next thing is then, the next stage is refusing, refusing. Because the person of God must make a decision to refuse the temptations that come his or her way. The person of God must make a decision. I'm going to refuse the temptations because here's what happens. You start going along on that vision and if you don't give up in the resistance, then there's some blessings that come. But with blessings always come temptations. Watch this. This is Genesis 39 now. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. 
So Joseph is taken into Egypt and he's put in a rich man named Potiphar in a government official named Potiphar's home. And it says he actually now, he sees the faithfulness of Joseph, so he puts everything in his care. With Joseph in charge, he didn't concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one's greater in this house than I am. My master's withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused. He refused. Say refused, church. He refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. We talk about the three G's that take down a man or woman of God. Gold, girls, and glory. Or gold, guys, and glory. You will always have these temptations put in front of you so the enemy can steal from you the increase God's wanting to bring. And you have to pass the temptation test to live out the increase that God has for you. If we give in to the temptation, we can be pulled out. We can abdicate our increase that God is wanting to bring. Stage six. Stage six. You're thinking, okay, certainly it's going to turn. No, stage six is the hardest. Stage six is relinquishing. The person of God relinquishes his rights and the results to God. This is the death stage. This is when it looks absolutely impossible. Genesis 39, 12. She caught him by his cloak. So this is Potiphar's wife. She caught him by his cloak. Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. You're like, way to go, Joseph. You refused. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story of his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, it says God prospered him. God blessed him. Joseph had this, this vision, like you're going to actually be the leader and your brothers are going to bow down. You're going to be the leader and your, your parents, are, 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 are they're, they're going to bow down to you. And next he gets sold into slavery and you're thinking that's the worst thing that could happen. But then he's like, okay, I'm getting a little victory. Potiphar, he's giving me some increase. I mean, at least I'm not the lowest slave. And then he refuses the temptation of adultery. And what happens? Things get worse. Can I just tell you that the darkest night becomes, comes right before sunrise. You say no to temptation and things get worse. Can I tell you, people of God, you will be falsely accused. You will be spoken about. You be, will be resisted and things will look impossible. The great things that God's allowed me to see in life always came after it totally looked dead. It always looks dead. Why? Because God is working in you. God gives a vision, but then he has to deal with the visionary. 
So it's going to look dead. Why is this? Because of stage seven. Stage seven is the reproving. The reproving. The person realizes all of these challenges came to transform him into the person who could carry the increase. The challenges you experience in your journey of increase, they are to make you into the person that doesn't steal God's glory. Watch what happens in Joseph's life. It says this, in the morning, his mind was troubled. This is Pharaoh. So remember now, Joseph is in the prison. And guys, he wasn't put in prison for a week or a month or a quarter, not even a year. He was in prison for two years where everyone forgot about him. Some of you are in those kind of trials today. At times, our church has been in trials like this. This is what happens in the lives of the people of God. Things look dead, but God is working on you. It says this, in the morning his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told him his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, man, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with me as servant, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the, guard, the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream that night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. And now a young Hebrew, like Joseph, was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of the dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was returned to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. And when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. No one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. People of God, you gotta see this. God can find you anywhere. You're in a dungeon, great. You have a God who has a history of taking people from prisons to palaces. You think, man, my job stinks. God has a history of taking the youngest reject son who is a sheep herder, and while all his brothers get invited to a party, he's left out in the field. God has a history of finding that kid, David, and turning him from shepherd David into King David. God has a history of finding an orphan who is left by herself and taking her, Esther, and making her the queen of the country. Do you understand God's ways are different than ours? You might be in the wrong family, in the wrong school, on the wrong team, in the wrong job, in the wrong neighborhood, and God says, but I see you. And in a moment, I can make the king of a country hear about you and him pull you out and say, it doesn't matter that you've been rejected and you haven't shaved in two years and you're stinky because I hear that God's hand is on your life. Why is God doing all this reproving? The scripture says this, we have this treasure 
in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power of the treasure is from God and not from us. Why did God do the reproving? Why has he let you be rebuked? Why has he let you be resisted? Why has he let everything look dead? Because God is cleaning out that jar of clay. Because he's saying, hey, I don't need a mixture. I want to put my pure, unadulterated power and glory, but we got to get the junk. I got to clean the junk out of your heart. I got to clean the, the mixture. I got to clean the lust. I got to clean the selfishness out. And I know this is hurting, but if you let me clean it, I will pour my power. I will pour my glory, your history, my history shaping destiny into you. And he's like, and by the way, it's a jar of clay. It's not a jar of gems. We want it all blingy on the outside. We want that vase, you know, that, that jar to have rhinestones and jewels and emeralds. And God's, God's going pluck, pluck, and plucking them off. And we're like, ah, God, right? And sometimes the, the, the few little things, we're like, well, at least I'm the smart kid. And then you start failing your test. Well, at least I make money, and then you can't make money anymore, Right? Well, at least I have good health, and then all of a sudden you got a health problem. And, and, and what's happening is the jewels are getting plucked off because it says we have this treasure in jars of clay so that the all-surpassing power can be shown of him. Are you following me? We don't want to look humble, but God uses the humble. We don't want to look weak, but the Bible says that he's chosen the weak to confound the wise. So here's the best, in my opinion, the best verse, that most amazing verse of Joseph's whole story. Pharaoh says in verse 15, I have heard you can interpret a dream. And what does Joseph say? I mean, this is his moment. He's been pulled out after two years. And what does Joseph say? He looks at Pharaoh and says, I cannot do it. Oh, that's awesome. He's changed. Cocky 17-year-old, coat flaunting, right? Vision casting, hottie telling on his brother boy, all of a sudden has been transformed into humble man who says, I cannot do it, but God. I cannot do it, but God will. I cannot do it, but God will give. You see that transformation? And so what happens next? He interprets the dream. Pharaoh says, what should I do? He tells him what to do. And in a moment, he goes from languishing in a prison to leading from a palace. Can I tell you, that's your God. I at least expect some nodding. I, at least, I know it's hot. But, I, but this is the intense crowd that you said, I came to hear a word from the Lord today. Can I just tell you, this is your God. You have the God of Joseph. You have the God who takes you from a prison to a palace. You have a God who brings impossible situations out of dungeons. You have a God who, in situations that look dead, brings life out of dead because the last point is resurrecting. Resurrecting. You have a God of resurrections. But here's the challenge, people. You can't have a resurrection without a death. But can I tell you, when things look bleak, when things look over, and when there is no hope, that's when God brings resurrection. What are you believing for today? You will go through these phases. Why? Because this is how God works to bring himself the glory and to demonstrate his power. 
to the world around you. Why don't you stand up with me?